Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cantina MX Football Podcast, episode 329. We got a lot to talk about now that what Mexico is qualified. We even have a group. And Liga Mekis returns. Also, Chicharrito is on fire, scoring goals in the MLS. And we're going to talk about why he is being shunned from the national team. That and much, much more. But before going any further, let's welcome... Well, how are we doing? Greetings, Jaime. I'm, I'm very good. I'm very excited for the World Cup. I wasn't leading into it, but I watched the draw live, and it drew me in, Jaime. Oh man, that was that was almost more exciting than the World Cup itself. That is just <laughs> very exciting to see it go like live. Not to see it after the fact. But like to see it one by one. Yeah, yeah, just seeing it unfold and uh, the reactions and everything. It's it's very fun. It's part of what makes the World Cup just so so fun and such a big event. You know, like the just just from the draw, the shit talking starts already, uh, and Twitter was lighting up. Oh boy, Mexican Argentine uh, back and forth there. <laughs> yeah, for those living under a rock or maybe the internet is down, Mexico got in Group C that has Argentina, Poland, and Saudi Arabia. And everybody was started freaking out like it's the group of death and uh, that we're going to get pummeled by Argentina and that Poland is scary and uh, maybe... Uh, Arabia, Saudi Arabia might get a win against us. And, uh, I was just watching the meltdown go, go live and I was just shaking my head, but how, how do you feel about the draw? I think it's accessible group. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think Argentina is the one team that I would have want to avoid just because Mexico's record against them is, it's pretty bad. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's filled with L's. Um, yeah, that. But then again, you know, Mexico at the group stage, we joke about this a lot. They're 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 a dark horse, you know. They they've beaten in the past. They beat Germany. They beat France. They've gotten ties from Italy. The the Italy that went on to play the final, which is all six. No, or two. Wait, two thousand two. I'm confusing stuff now. Don't pay attention to me. Uh, no, but Italy still is still World Cup champion. Uh, Italy, uh, they got they they got who else? They tied Holland. That was a massive draw. If anybody saw that game, uh, France '98 versus Holland. Oh yeah. And if you look at that squad, it was it was insane the amount of talent that Dutch team had. Uh, Burke Camp played at Arsenal for years. Uh, they had Edgar Davids, uh, Kluivert, Chapstam, Van der Sar. I mean, I'm remembering these names, man. I'm not even a Dutch fan. That's just <laughs> how, if, you know, you just remember those names because these are players that were prominent for years. And uh, so you hear about them a lot. And, uh, you know, and, and it was those teams that people would say, oh, Mexico's going to get, you know, they're going to, 
we're gonna just drive el tri and it was the opposite it was a very exciting 2-2 match um <clears throat> which the touch did they did um dominate but still you you see max at least at the group stage man they rise they rise to the level uh they drew brazil as well in brazil so i mean since since 94 that's the italy that went on to play the final i was ahead of myself jaime the 94 <laughs> italy the 1-1 one, one draw uh, i think it was marcelino bernal from outside the box can't remember it was him or nacho pretty sure marcelino uh but yeah, that Italian team with Roberto Baggio, Donadoni, a um, couple other big names there. And that team went, they played Brazil in the final, losing in penalty kicks. Uh, but Baggio at that point was one of the one of the main stars. You know, it was like facing, a, maybe he wasn't to the level of Messi, but he was one of the, one of the, you know, big names. Absolutely. So, yeah, so Mex has done that, you know, and 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 that's gonna be. I, I think if they had to face Argentina, then that's. I think that's the best place to face them at the group stage. Uh, I think the big question mark would be Messi. He's the one guy that if he's if he's on fire, you you just can't. You're not gonna stop him. He hasn't been, but but <laughs> you know that doesn't matter. Yeah, but, you know, I was crazy. I, I was seeing this unfold. Uh, you know, they did the whole seeded teams first. They all got their own group. Qatar got, you know, group A. England got group B. And, you know, Argentina got group C. And I was like, you know what? Put us in the same group as them, you know? Like, let's avoid them in the round of 16. Let's get them right out of the group stage because that's a different that's a different Mexico, you know? That's a different, different kind yeah. of... And uh, I don't know, man. I just feel like a lot of people, like, they're acting like this is their first World Cup, like, as we but have it. it. Is, I mean, actually, it is. You know, every every World Cup, even every game is the first for, for someone. And it is, man. And the more you see soccer, the more you follow it. And then you go to social media, the more you'll start seeing. Uh, oh, there's, like, all these noobs. Uh, all these <laughs> people that are new to the game and you could tell by their reactions or just what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot, which is good. You know, Not, nothing against them. It's, it's, uh, it's like that meme with the guy has the, who is it? Franco, James Franco. He has the noose around his yeah. neck and he's saying it's the first time or something yep. like that. He's saying, and that's, that's sort of where we're at, man. We've, we've been there once too many times. Yeah, and it does feel like uh first time for a lot of people. But I'm like, we were here four years ago and we had a group of, you know, Germany, <laughs> Korea, and uh Sweden. Everybody thought, Oh yeah, this is the year. This is the year Mexico doesn't get out of the group and you know, we ended up beating Germany and that was that, you know. So I don't know, man. I feel like people are are freaking out. And you look at this Polish team, because that's our first match and that's gonna be the most critical part of this you know, if you if you lose that game or if you draw that game, I think I think it's over for Mexico. You have to win that match. More, more, more losing it. I think you could draw it and you'll be fine. Um, but I do think losing will be. That's you know, that's where we have the stats at. You're at like eighty percent chance of not making it to the next round. Yeah, and then, but then you look at this Polish team. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Like, let's actually see. 
what we're dealing with here. And you look at the stats and you're like, well, this team didn't get out of the group stage in 2018. They didn't get out of the group stage in the Euros. And they had to go to a replay, or not a replay, but a playoff to get even qualify. So, I mean, how much of a threat is this Polish team exactly? I feel like the Croatia in 2014 was much more of a threat. And we had no business against them. So, uh, I don't think anyone has nothing to worry about. I think Mexico will get out of the group stage. And uh, it's always our, our just unfortunate luck that, you know, if we do get out of the group stage and if Argentina wins the group, we're most likely going to play against France in the round of 16. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, no quinto partido there. Um, yeah, it's the World Cup, though. I think Max, it's, it's, they don't have to be as strong as those teams to beat them. You know, that's the thing about the World Cup because it's a one-off. Uh-huh. You know, if they were to play France, like NBA playoffs, best of six, then yeah, odds are France would take it um, quite easily. But on a one-off, dude, you just need one bad game, one bad play, <laughs> one bad bounce of the ball, and it could go in your favor. And I think Mexico is bound for one of two things. Either A, they finally get knocked out of in the group stage, or B, they finally get to that quinto partido. The ball finally goes into their favor. Because <laughs> they, they've been unlucky a few times. Uh, they have. I remember the match in 02, right? So 02, they get to face the U.S. And there was a play inside the box when uh, it was John O'Brien and he it was a corner kick I believe in Mexico's favor and he hand he he uh, he uses his hand to move the ball and that should have been red card and penalty and that would have put the game in favor of Mexico you know uh, this time there was no bar and the call wasn't made and then it just the game ended up going in in the U.S. favor, and they end up with the you know the humiliating dos a cero win, the massive win for them. Um, but there's there's been always plays like that. Uh, we've seen a few where Max you know was on the losing end of of that. Um, I think Argentina as well. Was it? When when they do that hack on on Guardado, right? Was that in 06 or where am I confusing it with with the Confederaciones? But there was a match where he, they should have been red carded. Uh, what was that um, dude's name? There was one. He went on to be a coach. There was there is one guy, long hair. He uh, yeah. He elbowed Ramon Morales. Oh, it's Morales, and I think it's and uh, he got he got a yellow, but it should have been a red. Yeah, was it Maldonado? There you go. That's I think that's the one. No, there's no Maldonado. Uh, I forgot his name. Did he become a coach? I don't know, but I hate that guy. I <laughs> <laughs> I usually like to uh, let my mind just work it up, but other times I just go to Google. Um, I know I could I could remember the name. I'll find it right now. Oh, don't worry. Think... Huh? <laughs> I said I'll find it right now. Don't <laughs> worry. 
All right. All right. I think I'm pretty sure he, be, he went on to become a coach. Sorin? No. No, no. I, that was one of my favorite players. Uh... Juan P. Sorin, he played at River Plate, and then he went to Brazil. Uh, and then he ended up working in Univision, and he looked like a homeless guy that they like, you know, when they help, when they're helping the homeless. Colocini? <laughs> no. There you go. Wait, it was either him, but I don't think Colocini became a coach. Wait, but it could have been him. I don't know, man. Or I'm confusing stuff. The the guy, you know who became a coach? The guy that got the penalty kick. Uh, he got called for the penalty against England. And he became a coach in England. <laughs> the, the irony of things. <laughs> Interesting. It, it could have been Colucini that did the, the foul on... Um, yeah, because I'm looking at the yellow cards. It was Fabrizio Colocini, Gabriel Milito, and uh, yeah, no, it was Colocini. Javier Saviola got a red. Definitely him. He got a red card. But... And I'm confusing him with this other guy. I think it's Pellegrini. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that was. He was the guy that was in. Um, I think it was O2 with Bielsa. They played England, and and they do the penalty for England, and it was on a. They said it was a fall. It didn't look like a penalty to me, and then I think they lose one zero. What's that? Huh? You talking about the Confederations Cup? No, no, the oh. World Cup. Oh, okay, okay. Manuel Pellegrini. I'm pretty sure that was. Was he playing? Man, I'm confusing everyone. Let me ask you this question. See if you know. When's the last time Mexico beat Argentina? It was at the Copa America. And I think it, and it was with La Volpe. Was it with Ramon Morales? That's right. We got a winner here. Free kick by Ramon Morales. Copa America, I believe it was the group stage. And that was the last time Mexico beat Argentina, <laughs> 2004. Uh, Pato Abundancieri was the goalkeeper. And uh, that was the last time we beat Argentina. That's a it long time. Pochettino. Mauricio Pochettino. I said Pellegrini. Mauricio Pochettino. That's the guy. Really? He's the guy that got the penalty kick. I always found it curious that... He later, you know, he played in, he went on to play at the Premier, and then he, at the Premier League, and then he ends up being a coach. And now uh, he's, they're asking for him at Old Trafford, Jaime. Yeah, I don't want him. <laughs> but that's the guy. My mind plays tricks on me, but um, it still, it still works sometimes. <laughs> it, it rewrites stuff. It's not fun. yeah i feel it man but i i don't think we should be worried about this group stage it's a lot clearer than most people think if anything i'll find uh 
uh, Saudi Arabia to be the surprise team. I don't think they're going to be a pushover as as much as many people think they are. And they will be playing in the Middle East. They're, they're yeah. practically at home. Yeah, I do think that they they should not get underestimated. Maybe they can hold Argentina to a draw or something. Who knows? But I kind of have a feeling that they're not going to let people, you know, just go over there and, and take three points from them. They'll make it a little bit more difficult than that. Uh, but I think Poland's, yeah, but Poland's the team that looks Poland. like uh, the straw man, like Scarecrow. I don't think they're they're as powerful as, as we Dang. think. It's just Dang. one man, Lewandowski. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, I I see it. I see it even for Max. You know, I the main. I think the main uh, mountain for them to climb is obviously going to be Argentina. Um, and let's see, let's see what happens there. Uh, you, we could have said, oh, well, they have Tata, but man, the last time we faced them with Tata at the helm, it was what a four zero. It was pretty bad. Yeah, that's whooping. It was. I wasn't it. I think it was the first defeat under Tata because he had gotten to that point with like a good record. Yeah. I think it was like he was like like on a. I don't know how many he wins. Was like street, nineteen but, or something. Yeah. And then uh, Argentina shows up and they just lay it, does Macket down, and it was just not. And I don't even think they were. At, they weren't even at full strength, to be honest. <laughs> they had their B team. Um. Yeah, but I, so yeah, I, I I think group stage if you're Max, that's that's when Max has been at the strongest. So let's see what happens there. I I do like how they face. So they'll face Poland first, then Argentina, and then um, Saudi Arabia last. Yep. And Saudi could be eliminated by that point. We'll see. Which. You know, it could work on Max favor, but I I do think um I prefer that than facing Argentina first, uh, and I could have said the same in Brazil 2014 when they they did they faced Brazil first, right? Uh, I don't think so. That was How their second game. That was their second game. Great. So you're saying they faced who? I don't. Wasn't their last game? Um, Croatia. Cameroon? Croatia. They played Cameroon. Croatia first. was the last. Yeah. Oh, that's when it was and, and and we should have won that group. We had a bunch of goals disallowed against Cameroon that were not offside. I think Carlos. Geo, right? One from. Gio. I know. I know Carlos scored one. Yeah, I, but I know it was like two goals that were disallowed. And, yes, they were. And had that gone through, we would have won the group, actually. Ah, uh, the rig, the fix was saying, Jaime. <laughs> yeah, because nobody expected us to draw Brazil. We almost, we almost beat them, almost. But yeah, I mean, that Croatia game was very satisfying because they had, you know, come into that match talking a lot of shit, and that was, uh, that was very nice. And we, you know, we've seen this. Um, where I like to talk about how. We um we belittle a lot of the talent that is home based, a lot of times, or if they didn't go abroad, and we just saw that one was Gallito when he he held the midfield there, and and you had Rakitic and Modric and, oof, not not 
not you're not coming into the rooster's house, man. He, <laughs> he was he was a big a big part of that. Um, and we just saw it not too long ago against the U.S. Pulisic getting bossed by America Scrub. So there are players like that, and I hope I know we have some, and we just have to hope that for the World Cup they just you know they rise to the occasion. I could see it happening with a couple dudes, but I mean, it's it's always random. You never know who who's yeah. going to, who's you know who's gonna take the baton, or who's gonna lead the charge there. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And another thing that we need to consider, and that's why people shouldn't freak out as far as like Mexico's current form. And yeah, you know, they aren't playing great, but this world cup is all the way in November. So a lot can change between now and then a lot of players can find their form by that time. And I think like going into the world cup, this is going to be a completely different Mexican side. And I'm kind of hoping that, some players do find their form because uh you know the the attack is not looking good. They've been struggling to score goals. Humpty Dumpty is you know, we put him back together, he was broken and uh now he's a former shell of himself. He Relicimen is not the same player that he was before his injury and it's 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 a glaring obvious problem. So, you know, I'm looking at players like Jose Juan Macias to find his form. Uh, we had a uh, Marcelo Flores on the bench uh, for Arsenal, not the U23, but the actual real team. Uh, he didn't get his debut, but you know, if he ends up getting his Premier League debut and maybe starts scoring goals, maybe starts giving Tata a reason to call him up for the national team, we'll see. I mean, a lot can happen between now and November, and I think that's why we should take this calmly. Well, Chaco's kid has been scoring goals. He's just not. I would say just not been like on fire, you know, sort of like he's been a bit more quiet about it, but he's been racking them up. Um, and so I think he could be an option there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like there was like a stat that made him look like he was already ahead of Chicharito and Peralta at his age. But, you know, yeah, well, I mean, they have that, stats. that made him look, showed that he, he is. <laughs> uh, he is ahead of them, but that's what I'm saying. It seems a bit quiet, you know. Yeah. Because these other dudes sort of blew up, like Cheech just started like banging them in on that one season, you know. And then he's he's scoring at Libertadores, and same with same with like uh, Hermoso. Just all of a sudden, they sort of you know blow up into the scene. That's that's kind of what I'm hoping for here. Uh, at least one or two players like that. I think it would be nice to have to have that going into the World Cup, and it's a it's a big reason why you have all these people pushing for Cheech because he's doing that right now at the Galaxy. He's he's pretty much scoring every game, and and you know they see the selection thirsty for goals, and and everyone's now clamoring for Cheech again. Um, but I think. Is you know always striker is the easiest to see, but there's other positions you know where where that player can 
can excel and, and make his way into the, the selection or into the starting lineup. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how we're seeing this happen. Like, we have the national team that's lacking goals. And on the complete opposite spectrum, you have Chicharito, who's clocking into work, scoring two goals and getting the win, getting the man of the match award, and uh, just making it more and more obvious how much they need him right now. And it's getting to the point where even... Do then even ESPN, even all these uh, media outlets are starting to demand his name and demand answers from Tata Martino. And uh, I think you have a, a hypothesis for us. Well, yeah, sort of like just pointing at the obvious because ESPN is they broadcast they broadcast MLS games, and you know ratings is key, and you want. You're obviously gonna want uh, players that are like seleccionados because when you're watching the World Cup, it's not just Chicharo; it's the the LA Galaxy Chicharo, you know, the LA Galaxy striker and whatnot. And for people that are gonna wanna then you sh- you know follow that up, so that means more better ratings. And so I I do think there will be a there is a push. From from the from you know from them to to try to get him called up to the World Cup, and it's it's not something out of the ordinary. We've seen it many years with from TV Azteca or Televisa because they've you know they show games and they they own teams and they have their players, and that's always been a big thing to have as many players. Um, in your club and at being represented at the, at the world national cup. team. Yeah. Yeah. And in the world cup, it's in their best interest to see and to be able to speak to like, Hey, you know, watch LA galaxy and the, you know, world cup international Chicharito take on, you know, Portland or whatever. It's like, it just has a nice ring to it when they are getting called up by the national team. What I do think is very dirty, though, it just feels like it's very intentional because uh, the Mexican national team on Twitter will provide updates as to, uh, you know, players getting action and getting minutes. And they tagged Julian Naraujo, who also plays for the Galaxy. And, you know, it's like, why why are you avoiding and ignoring Chicharro's goals? Like, at least acknowledge him, but... They refuse to, and uh, even the the president spoke against it, and he said that, yeah, you should not expect him to get called up. So it feels like it's more than than just uh, rhythm; it's more of a business reason. Yeah, well, it is. That's that's soccer, man. Business first, sports second, and it's. You need money to get the ball rolling, and so that's that's you know, that's always gonna, that's always gonna, um, the business aspect is always gonna take, they're always gonna take the, the lead, you know. Because if it was for sporting reasons, Qatar would not be hosting this World Cup. Oh, absolutely not. I was watching a photo of how they're gonna be blasting like AC, 
And it's like <laughs> these huge, huge vents, man. And I'm like, is that really what we're doing? Even in the winter time, they they still have to blast the AC at like full blast. Like, damn. And and then the also thing is, what's gonna happen with those stadiums? You know, Brazil had to build stadiums that are not in use, like the one in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, they had one in the jungle. They had one where they were using to park buses. Uh, they couldn't even use them as for concerts or such because of the logistics. You know, they were just too far out. It, it was just costing more money than to use venues already in place. Uh, someone, people would rent for weddings or quinceañeras. Dude, I would rent one for a cascarita, you know? Hell yeah. Like, <laughs> a cascarita at a World Cup venue. Um, but yeah, it's kind of sad because uh, we're joking about this, but it's sad in that all that money spent on that for one, for a couple games, you know, and those towns could have used that for like a school or a hospital, things that would have improved the lifestyle, uh, the, you know, the quality of life, I should say. Instead, it, you know, it was a, a, a big soccer stadium that it was just political reasons, you know. It's a lot of money went into building that. And so when they build that stuff, it's not just, you know, you have people connected that, okay, who sells the material, who, who's the architect firm, who's the construction firm. You have all that stuff connected to oh, all yeah. these people, all these people related to that make money. Mm-hmm. Concrete, you know, because you need concrete for that. Uh, city, dude, it's just so many people make money off of this, uh, this World Cup stuff. When, when it's, you know, when there's bidding for World Cups, it's because a lot of people are going to make money. You know, there's going to be a lot of money spent. That also means a lot of money earned by these companies. Um, so that's, that's something that's always, you know, the political stuff. Yeah, you just got to follow the paper trail and see where is it going. And it'll basically explain why things are the way they are. But it is, yeah. We'll see what happens. Qatar is very far away from now. And it's going to be weird to have a a World Cup viewing party not in the summertime when it's hot outside and you can have some carne asada, some cerveza at like 5:10 in the morning. This is going to be in the <laughs> winter time. It's going to be cold outside. It's going to be dark. What what time do you know the time? Because I don't. Um, I'm not sure actually. As long as it's not Japan, Korea, man. Those oh, were yeah. like games at midnight, which I didn't mind. But then the follow up was like at two in the morning. Right now it's seven forty seven a.m. So yeah, it's it's almost twelve. All right, hours I'm, I'm already up, dude. They're at what early early in the morning. I don't know what time the games will be at, but they're what ten hours ahead then. So we'll see. I think we'll be okay. Those games in Japan were rough, man. <laughs> like two, three in the morning. <laughs> oh, bro. I know. I went to a few watch parties, and people were always like, just tired, dude. They were just like in the sofa, <laughs> falling asleep. 
No, I know. I remember when Mexico played that elimination game against USA. That was at like three or four in the morning, and I had to go to school. And Damn. and then they lost, and then I was still wearing my Mexico jersey, and everybody was laughing at me. So I had to like basically no no sleep. Got made fun of the entire day. It was the most miserable day of my life. Damn. Your Mexico shirt with. With beer stains and the nacho. Nah, I was a kid, bro. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> <laughs> nacho dipped, already dried, and yeah, damn. <laughs> Salsa from. So now that qualifiers are over, uh, we actually had a uh, Nations League uh, draw. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Mexico got a pretty accessible group. And, of course, they have it arranged in a way where the only way Mexico and USA face each other is, of course, in the final. So uh, that happened today. And yeah, the, the one concern, and I'm not sure, Jaime, but I think the games are going to start being played pretty soon. And if that's the case, I have to wonder if that would cut into Mexico's World Cup preparation because it's like instead of playing a you know a, a team from Europe to prepare for Poland or some South American powerhouse, they have to play Jamaica. Yeah, exactly. They got in the group of uh, Jamaica and Suriname. Uh, Costa Rica, Panama, Martinique is Group B. Canada, Honduras, Curaçao, Group C. USA, El Salvador, and Granada, Group D. So, yeah. You forgot a group. Why? There's another group? Yeah, with brother, with Tena, man. I want Guate. Huh? The Guatemala group. And oh, this I'm is the, sorry. This is a League A. I don't know oh, about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then League B. Then. All right. I, thought, <laughs> I, thought. I well, didn't know. There, man. There's levels to this? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> They're in B, they're there, and I, I want them to do good, man. Um, that's, that's the dream right there, Jaime. I wanna, you know, hopefully by um by next World Cup, not Qatar after, we could see two Mexican coaches oh, coaching snap. at the World Cup. You know, I um, doubt tennis gonna last that long, bro. Damn. <laughs> Well, I mean, if he does good leagues, he could get them qualified to Gold Cup. You know, if if he he's he know he's won a Olympic gold, he could get their team to the Olympics. Any of those things would be win for this team that is very inconsistent. And if he could at least get them some consistency in playing tournaments, and if he could build a squad. You know, going into World Cup qualifying, dude, I'm telling you, with three top dogs out of the way, it's going to be, dude, it's, it's hell in the cell, you know, with all these other teams like a battle royal to get into the World Cup. And, I mean, you're probably not going to see World Cup qualifiers, Jaime, because Mexico's not going to be there, but I'm going to want to see some games. Uh, and uh, I'm that's, cool off that. Brother Tenai, what the come in, dude? I'll, uh, you know, I'll cheer for them. 
it'll actually it'll actually be nice to see a stress free World Cup uh, qualifying. You enjoy them more, dude. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it is going to cut into Mexico's opportunities uh, as far as scheduling friendlies. They might only have like a handful of games between now and Qatar to warm up and prepare. Uh, they've already canceled their match that was going to take place against Argentina because you know it's too close to the World Cup, and they don't want. Well, I think you can't face. I'm not sure if there's that the rule that you can't face a team before the that World you're going to be facing in the group. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, which is weird, right? Like, what is there to lose from playing each other before the World Cup starts? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Is it more really of like a? This is more of like a psychological thing, right? Like, you go in there. It's like the Mighty Ducks, uh, Mighty Ducks three when they they go to this college and <laughs> and they play the varsity team, and well, actually, no, the coach said, "Do not play the varsity team. Like, do not play them before we actually have to face them." And you know, they kept talking shit, kept talking shit, like, "Fuck it, let's do this scrimmage," and they did it without anyone's consent, and then they got their ass beat. And, you know, that was basically, like, psychological, like, you know, warfare. They're, yeah, they're like, guess what? They now own you. And uh, basically, I guess that's what they're trying to avoid. You know, Argentina plays a friendly in Mexico in September. They push their shit in. And then you go into the World Cup already f- feeling defeated. So I guess I get it. My, my best guess could be maybe something with, like, an injury. Oh, that's true. Let's like, send out Pollo Brisueño out there and take out some legs. Yeah. Take out Messi, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to let's, what he did to Gio. Um, let's bring out Liga Mekis' biggest troncos and and have them mess up the the starting lineup. <laughs> scrap because that used to happen, Jaime. Maybe we can get Luis Suarez to do a one-time switch so he can start biting some. Oh, but that that used to happen. That's one thing we need to realize about football and some of the rules and some of the rules that are old that go way back but way back before there was the card system because the card system didn't come into play I believe until 1970 so before 1970 World Cup there was no yellow card no red card and back then oh shit you know a player could 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 start you know play rough play dirty and and uh you, you supposedly was, you know, it was supposed to be a gentleman game where you just didn't do it. But uh, yes, that wasn't going to stop. That wasn't going to stop that. <laughs> and I know Pelé, Pelé got in 66, he got, you know, they, they hacked him down. They hacked him to pieces. So that was the England World Cup. And then I think he, he, he threatened to not go to 70. And... I don't think I don't know if it was just because of him, but I think eventually FIFA threw in that rule. So some of these rules they're not as old. The tackle from behind uh-huh. that was in '94 World Cup when it became a automatic red if you tackled from behind. Oh wow! First to give it, Arturo Bricio Carter oh. to El, El Diablo Echeverri, man, and Echeverri was the opening match. Bolivia versus Germany. I think it was like a minute or two minutes in. Dude, Diablo Chaveri, he's he's like the Maradona of Bolivia, dude. Imagine losing that player two minutes into the first World Cup match. Oh, shit. 
to a red, which means the next game he's not playing it. That was sad, dude. It was sad. And uh, he did it, like, right starting. And I don't think Mauricio had, you know, much of an option because it was the opening match and and all the top brass FIFA officials were at the stadium watching. <laughs> it's like, damn. Wow. Um, and, uh, I had to Google this guy. He's got a great mullet. Oh, yeah, dude. Diablo Chaveri, dude, he's... He's a great player, man. He ended his career here in in MLS with the um, DC Washington, yeah, Washington DC United. Um, but that was the the great story of Bolivia because they had never gone to the World Cup, and then they ended up having this uh, the Tawichi Aguilera youth system, and all these players came out from that system. And they had all these talented guys like Echeverri. And so they end up end up um, going to the World Cup. I believe they even beat Brazil. Um, I mean, we're going way back to like 93, dude. So I, have to, <laughs> I don't want my mind to play more tricks. Uh, but yeah, um, they, they end up qualifying to the world cup and so it was massive you know especially back then because it's less tickets you know it was less teams going to the world cup just way harder and so they made it they made it in 94 um they made it over argentina because they went direct argentina went in repechaje uh so it kind of sucked for them to get there and then because of that ruling and just unfortunate play, they end up like just, you know, messing up their whole group. And then they haven't been to the World Cup since. Damn. I know it's just unfortunate, dude. Uh, and then that, that kind of Tawichi thing sort of disappeared. The coach, here's a fun fact, Jaime. The coach that was for Bolivia that took him to the World Cup he was from Spain, oh. and he got to coach. He got to coach Chivas. Who? <laughs> Wait, was it the Bigotes? He had a Bigotes, yeah. Uh, Escarborta. Escarborta, there you go. Wow! <laughs> everything, everything comes full circle, man. At the cantina, yes, it does, sir. <laughs> We always bring stuff, and we find a way to connect it to Mexican football. Because Mauricio Carter was, um, you know, Mexican ref. He's of Uruguayan. He's a Uruguayan descent. And this is a lot of older Argentines. They hate. They hate Mexico because of Mauricio Carter. You know, they don't. They probably don't know he's Uruguayo. Huh. He coached, he coached a pivotal game. Not coach, he refed a pivotal game in 1990. Interesting. The final. Against Germany, Argentina-Germany final in Italy. And, and uh, Germany takes it on a penalty kick. I'm trying to find uh, a photo of Oscar Borta. It's been a while, man. He hadn't done anything since 94. Uh, and then just Vergara brought him in because he had been at a one of those um, symposiums, those like where they bring in coaches and stuff. 
and I, I don't know if they were talking about youth coaching and I don't know how he convinced them and he, he gave them the team. Damn. Xavier. I'm trying to find what he's done. Let's see. He did Bolivia, Chile, Yokohama Marinos, Chivas in 2005, Bolivia again after a seven-year hiatus, and he's currently at Atletico Palmaflor in Bolivia. So he's still coaching, man. There you go. We had Liga Mekis action return after all that. And everybody played except for Chivas because uh, they decided to have a Coldplay concert. So, <laughs> <laughs> when that kind of might have helped Chivas because they were supposed to play against Rayados. So that game is rescheduled for April 13th. Uh, but we did have some interesting results over the weekend. Uh, the one that speaks to my mind is Club America after their abysmal start to the to the season. Uh, they beat Necaxa, Jimmy Lozano's Necaxa, 1-0. And now they're, uh, they're now our noisy neighbors there. We're in 13th position uh, with 13 points, and America has caught up. Now they have 13 points. I think, you know, I think Kame would have gotten there too with Tom. Um... Ah, it was I'm Solari. I confused. What happened? With Solari? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I just gotta make a quick, a quick. Uh, I I did confuse Bricio Carter with Edgardo Cosesal. So Cosesal is the Uruguayan Mexican ref who who refed the 1990 World Cup, the final. I just needed to uh, make that correction. For sure. Then I'm, I'm attributing uh, <laughs> to Grisio Carter, which I think he did, Carter did to the 94. The 94 uh, Bolivia game. But uh, yeah, yeah. Let's get back to. Uh, let's get back to. Yeah, I think Solari would have got in there. His, his. You know, I I think there was there ended up being a campaign against him, uh, for many reasons. Probably lost the team, but I don't think as a coach he was that bad. I think he he managed because he did manage to do a lot with, but few things he had, and even now, like it's not like they. They brought him like really good players to say, you know, it wasn't like uh, he was at Vasco Aguirre situation where he had a team that was stacked. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's just part of Liga Mekis, you know, very, very short leash. Yeah, and some of these campaigns where they'll they'll build a whole campaign against you and make you look like your ass, and then you 
you know, it's easy to go along with it. It's easy to go along with, with the whole media thing. And, and they make, you know, they have a way of making things look worse than they are. I feel like once you're on somebody's shit list, it's over, man. <laughs> yeah, it could be very difficult, man. You, you are, uh, and I was surprised. Uh, I didn't think Ame would do that. They would just sack him. Um, I thought if they would have done so, it would have been before the season, not not start the season, and then think, okay, he's not the one. I don't know what's going on. I do think probably there's in the management, you know, some problems there because usually if you sack a coach, you usually have someone, you know, on the sidelines or you already have someone um, lined up and it's like they have the interim still. I haven't even heard news of, of who's coming in. It's been very quiet, but I have not heard any names yet. Yeah, and at this point, they might as well wait for the start of the next season, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I know everybody wants uh, Puebla's coach, Larcamón. Yeah, and that's the other thing. If, if you're Ame... You want that guy even if he doesn't win anything? Usually they bring in win, you know, coaches that have been successful. So, I mean, are you going to throw away a season waiting for this guy to win something? Well, I think the logic behind that is if he can do that with a team with the amount of payroll and, you know, basically no, no, no like, standout player. You know, imagine what you can do at a America with basically a blank checkbook. Well, that's the thing. They haven't had a blank checkbook. Um, I guess they're thinking if he could do the same as Puebla and, you know, work their way around. But a lot of that stuff, it's like who in Puebla is bringing in some of these players? Because they brought in some good, you know, they brought in some good players, and it's like usually you have other other staff there that you know help build a squad. Uh, it's not always the coach, you know. Uh, we like to a lot of times we give we we'll treat a coach like like there's Sir Alex Ferguson where they have total control, but very few coaches have that. Yeah, they're like temporary employees. Yeah, exactly. So very, very few. Um, Tuca had that at Tigres, you know. He had a big say in who was coming in. Um, you know, but other people don't. Buse at Chivas didn't have that. He, could, he couldn't get one player. He couldn't um, even get a parking spot. He could... <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. Uh, I, I think so I think sometimes we we tend to just give all the credit to to a coach and not realize because Puebla was has been doing pretty decent since before Larcamon came in. Uh they had 
they had a uh, Reynoso, right? Who was at, who went to Cruz Azul. Jose Reynoso. Jaime. What's that? Refresh my memory. Was Reynoso with them? Who? With who? With Puebla before he went to Cruz Azul. Uh, I think he was, yeah. Yeah, see, but I mean, they were doing pretty decent before Larcamon came in. I think he's just a continuation of their good work. And so you got to hand it to their directiva and who they have working there, you know, similar to like Santos. Not just because the coach came in, they did good. It's part of the directiva that's been working with youth and, and working to bring in some good players. And then they get the right coach and it all clicks in. But, you know, as fans, we, we like to sort of like, all the credit seems to just go to the coach. So like they're a, a lucky rabbit's foot or, or they make it seem like the coach did everything. I saw it at Chivas with uh, Hans Westerhoff. You know, he takes them to that final and everyone was praising Heap. And it's like that team had been worked on for a long time. Um, a lot of those players had been in the club for years. Uh, a lot of them since the youth. And he he just... He does deserve credit in that he gave them all playing time, massive playing time, but he didn't exactly discover them, you know? A lot right. of those guys had already been there playing with and under different coaches. But uh, he, he's one that, and I, to the day I hear Chiva fans talking about him, and they just seem to, like, give him all the credit. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see what happens. But America, with that, again, that victory, uh, they're basically saying, you know, even in our worst campaign, we're tied on points with Chivas, who... <laughs> Chivas a match behind, though. Yeah, but still, you know, that's pretty scary to think about. Wait, they might still be, because they are going up against Monterrey, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this game, I mean. Uh, Busa's revenge. Yeah, I know. And it's Busa. I know he wants to do it. It's Leano, dude. I know he, <laughs> he's itching for that, dude. He's like, he's like Chris Rock's brother, man. He's like, oh. he, have you heard Chris Rock's brother uh-uh. talking shit about Will Smith? No, I haven't. And I'm pretty sure he's been pacing back and forth, man. He's like, <laughs> you know, waiting for that moment. I know that that's going to be a fun match to watch. Michel Leano, uh, we mentioned uh, before that, you know, Belaz had a press presser before, after the, after the, or actually the same day as the qualifiers, they had a, a press and he was basically just uh, defusing all these, all these rumors um, about, you know, Michel Leano getting replaced and how she was already interviewing other coaches and, you know, Pelaz, Pelaz basically said, like, yeah, dude, like, this is our gallo, and, you know, we're not we're not going to talk about his his performance now until the end of the season. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lanyo, we, we've said it here. He's, 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 he has, in Chivas, at least in Chivas, he has a very strong backing through family connections. So he's not going to get you know, that, that treatment is not going to get a swift kick to the ass. 
um, he's going to be allowed to at least finish the season. Or if, you know, shit hits the fan, he would have to resign. Um, he would, you know, call it himself. But I, I do think he has that, you know, just... just. He's not going to resign. He's going to win everything in Mexico. Then he's going to go to <laughs> Europe and win everything. Then he's going to go back to Mexico and win the World Cup. Oh, man, I would... I would have liked, dude, I like his way of thinking, but I think he he got a bit ahead of himself. I would have preferred if he started at, at Tapatio, you know, you know, just, just get his his peak weight a bit. I don't know if he had coached before, though. I don't know if he had coached a team before. Necaxa. For like a whole season or? Uh, He did coach. I don't know if it was for a whole season, but he did coach at Nikaksa f- uh, for, yeah, like 2018. Oh, he replaced Nacho Ambriz. But, I mean, as like interim. I mean, like as a fool, you know. 31 years old, youngest coach, and the only coach in the first division to have never played at the professional level. He, um, yeah, he was in the Kaksa 2018. He coached 19 games, seven wins, three draws, nine losses. And then um, he's at the same as Chivas right now, 19 games. Uh, so he had coached a bit, Venados and Zacatepec. All right, but like you said, very young, thirty-one years of age, uh, when he took when he took over Nicaxa. I do think he probably needed a bit more, you know, a bit more experience there. You know what they say? Cocaine is a hell of a drug. And <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, for his age and to have already gotten a shot at three clubs. It, it talks about, you know, it just talks about like, you know, his, his influence that he has through his family connections. He's the Usually, nephew of former Tecos owner, Jose Antonio Leano. There you go, man. And he's, he's got ties to the eight crown people, which are, you know, massive ties to have. Um, that's that's the thing. You know, like usually sometimes you are like interim and you work under some other coaches. I don't remember him ever being interim. I remember um, De La Torre, you know, uh, Chepo. And he he worked under La, La Puente. And La Puente is one of the greats, man. Did he really? Yeah, at America too. Oh, Chupu, I didn't man. know that. <laughs> yes, sir. He was a uh, interino for for um for La Puente, and he was it's weird seeing him at America. You know, it's a big Chiva, and you know the La Torre name tied to Chivas is tied to the Campionissimo, dude. Tied to a lot of glory at Chivas. Yeah. So to me, so to be over there, but I mean, man, can you blame him? To to work under La Puente, it was just 
he just can't turn that down. You know, he's he's one of the greats. He he gave Mexico a confederaciones, dude. You know, you don't just you know he's he's just a great coach. Um, he could learn a lot from, and I I think I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. Leano skipped the whole interim stuff. He's like, man, I got this. I have Menotti on speed dial. <laughs> I just, I just call him. I'll just Facetime him during the match. During that time, like, hey, probably asleep, dude. He just, you know, Menotti's old. I don't know what he's. He's like eighty, dude. He's like almost ninety. I don't know what he's. Oh, what? Who are you? <laughs> He probably he's thirty five, dude. This dude's very young. He's like he's very young. Remember, dude. we did blow together. You told me if I ever had any questions, you know, just hit you up, just call you. He's like, oh yeah, that's right. He's like, yeah, well, I'm in the middle of a match. Can you help me? <laughs> oh fuck, man, Michele Lingano. He should, <laughs> he should have been man. Nacho worked under, you know, he worked under Vasco and La Liga and. You, dude, if you have that massive influence, try to find a way into one of these teams, man. I'm pretty sure you could have, you know, maybe not as direct, but just to be there and, and have a front row and see how things are being done. Yeah. Um, I do think maybe he's a bit overconfident in his abilities. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, some other results in Liga Mekis. Uh, Santos, big victory for them against Pachuca, 3-1. And, uh, you know, Pachuca were in first place up until that results. And now with that defeat, Tigres have leapfrogged themselves to first place. And uh, Senor Gignac is just on fire. And and the coach, Jaime. Who's the coach again? Piojo. I know, I'm just fucking with you. (laughs) (laughs) Barney Rubble, yes. And he's also one of the main candidates for L3. No. And this is the thing with... um, Here's two things about Tata. So I don't I don't think they have confirmed them. It's not I don't think they have to, but I feel like they should. Um and I do think that what Piojo did in that interview saying I'm ready, I think that was lack of professionalism. Oh yeah. That's always been a downfall of his. His mouth cashes checks or writes checks that he can't cash. I think that's always gotten him in trouble, and and that's always been uh, he was worse. I think he's gotten better, but I mean, you know, guy's not perfect, but he's obviously very good at, you know, building a locker room. You know, that you know, winning over players and getting them to overperform. That's always been a a big thing for him. And then people say that oh, that's all he is, but not. Come on, man, he, he's not gonna be as successful as he's been if that's all he's doing. Just tickling players' ass. He's he's obviously knows what to do because to keep the players content, he's obviously not just 
going in the locker room and telling jokes. So obviously, figures out the best way for them to play or how to get the best out of them, uh, or assist or tactical systems that you know the the team can play really good or enjoy. Uh, so there's a lot to that. So there's a lot of positives on Piojo. I feel that that I did. He messed up in that situation, but um, just seeing him in first place and doing good, and just having mentioned, uh, you know, what he could do with locker rooms and and players, and and of course he's he's he'll be like the one of the main candidates, if not the main one. And the thing with Tata is that he has the this eye injury. And yep. he might not be able to, because he didn't travel to Honduras. That's right. And then I don't know if he traveled to Qatar, but supposedly I said that he he wasn't even able to For watch the draw? the draw. I don't know if he traveled, but they said he couldn't watch it. Was he, he supposed just to? Heard it. They usually travel sometimes. Huh. I don't think you have to. It's just a draw. But they're saying that he he had to he didn't watch it like a TV or, or that he just had to hear it. Oh man, that's not good. And then the, the talk is that he can't even stay in Mex City; he has to move away, and that he, it's gonna take him a few months. Few so, months. Yeah, so he might not even be able to coach. Jeez, well, do they have cataracts or something? Like, what is? I'm not sure, man. I'm not. Jeez they haven't Louise. been disclosing like the extent of, you know, what his injury is. You know, maybe he got that. That the cat scratched him in the eye, like <laughs> to get the Avengers, the, <laughs> the cosmic cat. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if that's gonna pose a problem, and ultimately the going to be like, dude, if you can't be with the team, then we're just going to need someone else. Like, your health is is getting in the way. But that is some of the talk coming out. That's why I feel FMF needs to step in and give that vote of confidence. Yeah. I, and if they haven't, I'm guessing they're not, even they are not that sure. Dang. And they're probably waiting. I'm not sure if they're waiting to the end of the month or what. To be like, okay, what's going on? Uh, if they're confident, it's like, well, they could be confident that they have someone like Piojo in the sidelines. You know, I'll be confident too if I have that guy, just because you know what he's capable of. Um, so, I, I, I don't think they want to get rid of Tata. I, I do think uh, the health thing could be an issue, and that might. That might prevent him. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. We we will all obviously keep keep. Oh man, I don't mean to keep an eye out for this. <laughs> 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 Insensitive. <laughs> no, uh, man. I don't. I didn't want to say that. Hi, man. What, what can I say? Because uh, I mean, it's a delicate issue, man. I like, got my eye on you. no but you know you mentioned that how they haven't really backed him and there was a detail a very nice gesture on the on the players part uh during that game against el salvador the first goal that they scored they all went 
to him and, and gave him a hug, you know, because obviously the players know that he's been under fire and, you yeah. know, for the players to do that, it does show that, you know, they do respect him and, and they do want him to stay there. So, you know, maybe he has the locker room uh, under his belt and maybe that's why he doesn't want to bring Chicharito into the mix because, you know, supposedly the, the captains don't want him there. The players don't want him there. So maybe he's just doing that to save his skin. But uh, it is a little bit concerning that the, you know, the president hasn't said anything and they should be basically giving him the, the backing kind of like Belaz did with Michel Lanyo on that same day, that Wednesday. Yes, sir. So let's see. Let's see what happens there. Um, damn, another pun. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, we have to, uh, as the days go, you know, obviously more info will come out. Uh, I think eventually they're going to have to say something or confirm something. So, um, yeah, I know, I know a lot of three fans don't want him, but I still hope for the best, uh, for his, you know, health. Yeah. Let's go over some more Liga Mekis results. We had Tigres, like we mentioned, uh, beating Tijuana 2-0. They're in first place now. Toluca beat Puebla 2-1. And uh, that puts them in the number seven spots. Wait, who? Tigres beat? Tijuana. And uh, Toluca oh, beat Puebla. Oh, Toluca. So Nacho got the big win over Larcamón. Mm-hmm. The, the coach of the... Who's, he seemed to hit a bit of a slump. Yeah. Lost to St. Louis, I believe. Last five matches, uh, two defeats, two draws, and a victory. So he's not in the best form. Yeah, that's what makes me think of uh, somebody really putting their season on hold for this guy. <laughs> and I think like, no, I don't think so. And Cruz Azul, who continue to stay in good form, uh, they won. They beat Atlas 1-0. Santiago Jimenez, who, again, might be a, a player that could make the World Cup. We'll see. But uh, Chaka's kid, man, he, he's scoring goals. And Cruz Azul are in fourth place. We had Juarez lose to Pumas. And uh, I'm curious to see how long that leash is. For Tuca Ferretti, because they are in last oh, place. Oh, there's no leash there, sir. There's no leash. He's doing that as a favor. Uh... Tuca could retire. Remember that the president of Juarez was a former directivo at, at Tigres. So he brought him in to. Five losses him. in a row is not enough, you're saying? Well, I mean, and remember Tuca's record, man. Never been sacked. I don't think he would go to to Juarez, especially this point in his career, so he could get a swift kick to the ass when things didn't go right. So I think, if anything, he would, at the end of the season, just hang up his boots, uh, 
Plus, it's a dude that he's he's in good standings with, with you know. Yeah. He could he could resign, but I don't think he's even done that. Tuca's record's always been he's left at the end of the season. Well, they're in last place. They lost to Pumas. They have eight points, and they've just taken their fifth loss in a row. So we'll see what happens to Juarez. But things are, are not looking but good. But you for know, there are only two games from Repechaje. That's six points. True. <laughs> you could lose five in a row, and then you win two, and you're back in the playoffs. Nah, that's here. crazy. <laughs> that's, uh, what a joke of a league yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a maroon that's, that's why I don't take it as serious the, the regular season uh, I love Liga MX I like the Liga yeah, but it's hard for me to you know expect more when it's designed this way I, I do think they could improve on it but you know it's I guess it's part of the excitement for a lot of people you know if you're a Juarez fan you left now Jaime but you know if that was Chivas you would be excited at the end of those two games (laughs) yeah I mean it's assuming that other teams don't win right because you can win two in a row and get to 14 points but that's assuming everybody else stays stagnant, which won't be the case. But, you know, the fact that you are no, only, well, but... you know, six points away from Repechaga is a little bit concerning. <laughs> yeah. Well, it puts you in the fight, you know, even if they got one point or whatnot. You're, you can, you're now you're within. You cannot try for the first, apparently, 12 matches of the season and start making an effort to school win games. And end up in in the playoffs. It's it's ridiculous right now. I'm wondering when they're going to change that rule, or if it's just <laughs> going to stay like that. Man, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the at the standings and. Uh, didn't they say like uh, relegation was going to come back eventually? But it's been like what two years now, and hasn't been the case. So maybe this is just going to be the no. new norm. <laughs> No, and that's the thing we've talked about. Um, you know, we talked about if they did bring back relegation, there's no teams that could really go up to first. It's just not there that they could go up and maintain their status in first division. They lack so much, um, just in infrastructure and and even money to be able to pay the teams. You know, and we keep giving the examples from Chiapas to Veracruz, Lobos Buap, just too many teams. And when Liga MX started doing this, um, they put they said, all right, to try to avoid some of that embarrassment, say, okay, you need to meet these conditions. I believe there's only like five or less teams in second division that even meet that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't, and I don't even know they fully meet those requirements. So, um, I know there's a few, like Leones Negros, they play in Jalisco, and Atlante play in uh, Estadio Azul. There, there are a few teams yeah. that 
hit that criteria, but yeah. Yeah, and even then, a lot of times these teams don't have that much money where they could like maintain their status. You know, they're just gonna turn into another Juarez type of team. You're just bottom of the table, or you you can't build a squad that's that strong. Um, maybe you get lucky and end up with a batch of pretty good extranjeros, but that's no way to be there, you know. Um, and that's that's the whole thing with with the whole relegation thing. It's it's just not sustainable. I know there's that romanticism, but that's from yesteryear, man. Back when football was pretty semi-pro. Um, I know we see it. We see it in uh, in some of the top leagues, but even then, it's always the really small clubs that are being relegated. You know. Yeah, like Lobos Wap just they didn't even get relegated. They just went broke. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't afford to stay. They they couldn't even get a TV deal, which was sad. They ended up selling their franchise thing. They were losing money. Just imagine you you don't even have enough fans that it costs more money to host the game. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's that's things that I think Liga MX fans need to realize. Uh, I guess they could be a bit harsh because if you're not understanding the business aspect of the sport, you know, it's easy to just attack the owners. And so you can't blame them for trying to find investors that are going to come in and put money into these teams. Yeah, but it sounds like, you know, the league is trying to work on a way of having the entire TV rights. We'll see what happens, you know, because if they want this MLS Liga Mekis thing to happen, they got to they gotta get that stuff organized first. Yeah, and that's one of the big push for them because I know a lot of the club owners know that ultimately that, that, could, that could lead to a lot of money. Uh, especially if the sports kicks here, you know, which I know there's going to be a strong push. There's been a strong push for years, and the fact that they're hosting the World Cup again, you know, uh, if they can do like a good deep run, if the U.S. does a deep run and it gets the sport to pop, that would help League IMX. People say like, oh, but they would eventually because when they're watching their teams are watching them play the Liga MX and those are going to be the, the exciting games, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, we have uh, quite a few games this weekend. Uh, Chivas versus Toluca. That should be a good one. Nacho Ambriz versus Michel Leaño. Uh, it's on the road for Chivas, yeah. so they're going to have to go. You mean they don't play Monterrey? No, that. Uh, that one is being... Uh, rescheduled for the 13th, so it'll be uh, midweek. All right. Yeah, so no, Nacho bounced back. There was talk they wanted a second, but he's in seventh place. That's not a bad place to be in uh, with one game less than some of the teams a bit higher. Yeah. 
Uh, what else looks good? Pachuca Tigres on Thursday. That should be a good one. Uh, you know, Pachuca fell. Yeah. And, first and uh, second. First and second. So it's a six-point match right there. We'll see what happens. And just trying to think of any other game that kind of looks interesting. Uh, seems like America has a layup right now against Juarez. That looks, like, looks like an easy three points. Yeah, and then, uh, then they play Tijuana, which is slightly, they're tight. Wait, no, they're just one point ahead of America. So, but Tijuana would be playing St. Louis. No, and then Pachuca. Who knows, man? They might, um, they might leapfrog a couple more teams. I mean, there seems like they got an easy accessible schedule as for Chivas it looks very difficult <laughs> you got the <laughs> Luca Rayados Cruz Azul and then you have Tijuana so it's not going to be an easy finish for Chivas and we'll see if they can squeeze into repechaje as of right now uh, they are not. They're in 13th position with 13 points. And this is why they've been criticizing Pelaz because, you know, Bustetich was fired for much, much less. And now you have a coach who is not, not doing so hot, but he's continuing to have the opportunity to coach Chivas. And it doesn't make sense to me, but I know that there's a lot more involved than just what meets the eye. Do you have any uh, yes, closing thoughts before we wrap up episode 329? Closing thoughts. Let's see, sir. Um, nope. I think we've said it all. <laughs> I think, yeah, we we pretty much mentioned everything. <clears throat> well, yeah. I uh, hope I really enjoyed that little snippet we did. Well, well, I did on Friday. I just felt like that draw deserved an immediate reaction. And uh, we'll try to do more of that in between episodes. I actually had recorded one about, you know, Chicharito not getting called up. But then I listened to it. I'm, I just sounded like a, I was having a little bit of rinche, So I was like, yeah, I'll keep that one in the drafts. But, <laughs> uh, you know, there's things that happen in between episodes. And it's nice to stay relevant there. But... You know, we appreciate our listeners. Every now and then we go on Twitter spaces without really announcing it. And we always have somebody hopping on. We always have a bunch of people listening on, on YouTube chat and all that stuff. So we appreciate you guys. We're very excited about Qatar. And uh, we're back to our regular scheduled Liga Mex action. So we'll catch you guys in the next one. Everyone have a great night.